The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to today's show. Um, We have what I find is the most fascinating um, topic to discuss. We're going to be talking for the next hour about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, which are... um, something I think all addiction professionals should be aware of, be aware of how to assess. And we became interested in this at Westbridge because we were treating some folks who had been adopted and who just weren't responding to treatment as usual. Um, they weren't. They didn't seem to be able to cognitively um, process what, what the information was or they weren't able to learn Um, immediately from their mistakes, and they had a really high rate of impulsivity. And just the way they responded, their brains seemed different. So I went in search of um, information on this, and I found a local resource in New Hampshire, Joyce Jurgensen. And then um, she led me to our guest today, who is a national um, expert on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And I'd like you to welcome with me Kathleen Mitchell, who is currently the Vice President and National Spokesperson for the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, and she's a noted international speaker on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, which is also kind of called FASD, and women and addictions. Uh, Ms. Mitchell is a licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor. She has a Master's of Human Service degree, and she has 25 years of experience as a national educator, clinician, and lecturer. She was appointed to the U.S. National Task Force on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, Fetal Alcohol Effects by the Secretary of Health and Human Services. She is a faculty member of the Medical Ethics and Humanities Program at Northwestern University, Feinberg School of Medicine, and the Georgetown University School of Medicine, Department of Family Medicine Selective. She has authored several papers on fetal alcohol syndrome, a guide book for parents and caregivers, and co-authored Making a Difference, Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders Public Awareness Guide. Ms. Mitchell supervised the development of the Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders Prevention Curricula for Students K-12 through and developed a Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders Curriculum for Addiction Professionals and other allied health professionals. She co-founded the Circle of Hope, an international program for birth mothers of children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Ms. Mitchell has testified to the United States House of Representatives on behalf of several bills, worked with a writer of NBC's Law and Order Special Victims Unit to create a show about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Her story has been featured in several documentaries, documentaries excuse me, Glamour Magazine, the BBC Radio, and on NBC's Real Life and the Later Today Show. So welcome, Kathy, to our show. <clears throat> I'm really anxious to talk to you today about this um, really uh, this topic that most addiction professionals don't pay a whole lot of attention to. Well, thank you, Mary. I'm uh, delighted to be with you. And um, 
uh, very sad to report that Joyce Jorgensen, who was uh, uh, kind of the, the person behind the scenes in getting this all orchestrated, had a uh, family emergency and will not be able to join us this afternoon. We want to send out our um, hope and prayers to Joyce and hope that uh, the situation resolves itself in a positive um, manner. Absolutely. She is just a dynamo and uh, has been been doing some unbelievable work in, um, in her state of New Hampshire. Could you begin by talking a little bit about um, what are, I mean, when I was in nursing school, Every baby got tested for fetal alcohol effect syndrome, and there was a, you know, there was a um, an assessment we did on babies. Um, but then after that, I never really learned about it um, very much in pediatrics, and I've never really um, seen much about it as an addiction professional. So, could you define for everybody what fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are? Sure, I'd be happy to, and uh, that's uh, great news to hear that you were actually screening infants for um, effects from being prenatally exposed. Uh, we used to hear about fetal alcohol syndrome slash fetal alcohol effects, and today the umbrella term uh, is FASD, or fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And so all of the disorders that can occur from uh, prenatal alcohol exposure kind of fall under that umbrella. So fetal alcohol syndrome is the most recognizable disorder and the most commonly known about, and that's where an individual would have measurable facial uh, features, uh, some growth retardation, as well as some measurable central nervous system or brain damage. So you've really got three areas, the face, the brain, and the growth. And um, so, but the spectrum of disorders, you can have individuals that maybe have just the growth issues and the brain issues or maybe the facial features um, and none of the growth issues. Um, so really it's a dose-respondent disorder. When mom drinks and how much she drinks and how often she drinks can really kind of predict what kinds of issues that you might see. And, you know, the real issue is we're talking about lifelong brain damage. So that's really, um, you know, the, the concern with drinking during pregnancy, even though it may be invisible and a person may not have the facial features, they can have um, very significant lifelong brain damage. How long have we known about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders? Is this relatively new? Well, not really. The first um, piece of American literature came out in 1973, and um, uh, two physicians, um, Smith and Jones, uh, Dr. Uh, Smith is since deceased, but Ken Jones is a dysmorphologist um, in San Diego. But actually they had um, written about and coined the term the fetal alcohol syndrome in 1973. And again, in 1973, they were seeing children that were all born to uh, chronic alcoholic women, so all the children we're exhibiting, you know, the full fetal alcohol syndrome. And now years later, we're understanding that, you know, there really is a spectrum and that 
the majority of folks um, with effects, you know, certainly aren't going to have IQs low enough to be in the um, mentally retarded range. Um, most individuals are going to have a normal, sometimes a little bit on the lower end of IQ, but um, problems maybe like with attention, so you're going to see a lot of attention deficits, problems with executive functioning, um, problems with memory, um, uh, sequencing. They may have some learning disabilities and may often get misdiagnosed with a whole variety of mental health uh, disorders. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of where some of my passion is around this is because I think often these kids get misdiagnosed and then they're labeled throughout their life and it and at some point when they begin to be adults and they end into they end up in addiction treatment for um for folks we tend to see them as um maybe unmotivated or quote unquote in denial or precontemplative and I, and I think that we tend to get frustrated with them because they don't respond the way we typically would assume somebody re- to respond. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's not just in um, addiction treatment, but, you know, if you think about, let's think about addiction treatment. And how many people do you think go through addiction treatment, whether they're adolescents or adults, that had a mother that drank any alcohol? I mean, really, if you if you really step away from our field of addiction and think about it, it's astounding that that we probably have some pretty high rates of individuals with FASD. And again, so few physicians are even trained on this in school. We did actually did a survey in 2003 with every medical and allied health school in the United States. And basically found that close to 100% reported that they were educating about FASD. But what, where they were educating, what the most common format was a brief mention within a lecture. So, um, you know, we just have people who are graduating from school, going on to be health professionals that aren't being educated. So the majority of our folks are going to have a mental health diagnosis. Um, where they uh, maybe a learning disability um, that's been recognized, so the school has recognized that there's been an issue. Uh, most typically, they may, especially if they don't get diagnosed, they um, may have problems with their peers, problems in school. They end up either dropping out or being expelled or or what have you. And unfortunately, a lot of a lot of the kids, as well as adults, end up in the justice system. Do you know what percentage of people are born with fetal alcohol effect syndrome? Well, you know, that's a really good question. And because, you know, it's, it's very difficult to diagnose at birth. And most of the time it's going to be a diagnosis that's made backwards if you think about it. So there are infants that are born, again, to chronically alcoholic women where, you know, the doctors know, the OBGYNs, they know that this mom, you know, has exposed the pregnancy to alcohol. So they're looking for it at birth. But, again, that would be a situation that's really very rare where you're able, where a physician is able to diagnose um, this disorder at birth. Most of the time, it's they don't, you don't get the correct diagnosis at all, and if you do, it's, 
later, you know, at least until school age, maybe nine, ten, sometimes in the teens. But we estimate that it's approximately one in over 40,000 births. So that's one in a hundred infants are born, um, are being born here in the United States that have some degree of damage from being exposed to alcohol. And, you know, if you were to add um, a lot of the, uh, you know, problems that can occur um, to infants, things like spina bifida, muscular dystrophy, SIDS, Down syndrome, and autism, and add all those together, it doesn't even equal the numbers of infants being born with some degree of damage. So, and again, this is a preventable disorder. So to just kind of highlight that, um, there are more infants born in America that have a diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders than infants with Down syndrome, autism, spinal bifida, and what was the other one? Multiple sclerosis? No, multiple dystrophy? Muscular dystrophy. Muscular dystrophy. Yes. So that's mind-boggling. Yeah, it really, it really is. And the unbelievable part of this is that it is, it is diagnosable. I mean, as long as we can uh, get get the correct message out to women who are at risk for pregnancy. And we'll be right back to talk with Kathy Mitchell more about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. If you have any questions you'd like to ask, please feel free to call in, and we'll be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona, through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our show today is Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, and we're talking with Kathleen Mitchell, who is currently the Vice President and Executive Director of the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. Am, am I, did I promote you? Are the Executive Director as well? Well, actually, I'm the uh, National Spokesperson. Okay. All right. So that's so, fine, though. Um, when we were... During the commercial, um, I was talking to Kathy about um, other drugs of, of abuse, <clears throat> such as heroin. There was a time here in New Hampshire where we saw a lot of women who were um, addicted to heroin who would have babies with cleft palate or cleft lip. Um, you know, the crack babies that were born highly irritable, and then we see them 18 years later and they're, you know, they're, they're addicted and, and, you know, they define themselves as, I was a crack baby. So I'm just wondering about other drugs of abuse as well as um, alcohol. Again, you know, that's um, it's some misleading information, and unfortunately, oftentimes, when we're looking at populations of women who are using substances, oftentimes you find in studies that there's a great focus on the illegal drugs that are being used, and sometimes they don't even control at some of the studies they do for alcohol use. And certainly those of us that work in the field of addiction understand that, generally speaking, most women that use illegal drugs of choice also use alcohol on some level. That's not everybody, but generally speaking, we find that that's going to go hand in hand. And it's important to understand, important, very important message to get out to um, our patients, our women, that alcohol is a teratogen. Um, drugs like, well, in, in 1996, the Institute of Medicine reported of all substances of abuse, including heroin, cocaine, marijuana, Alcohol produces by far the most serious neurobehavioral effects in the fetus. Alcohol is a teratogenic substance. It causes cell death that can result in birth defects. So I would make a, um, I I think, a very well-educated assumption that if you were seeing cleft lip or palates in women using heroin, that was due to prenatal alcohol exposure and not the heroin. So we have women using drugs like heroin, cocaine, what have you. They find out they're pregnant and they either cut back or quit using it and they, they drink. So they're, in essence, getting on the worst seat on the Titanic. 
Well, and, you know, I think one thing that's important to remember, because, um, you know, women who are sexually active um, and they're drinking, they don't often think about, oh, well, uh, maybe I just conceived a baby, and they continue to drink. And so sometimes unknowingly women um, don't, you know, they're drinking and they don't realize they're pregnant until six weeks, maybe even eight weeks, and they're drinking that whole time. So I think that, that I guess my... Um, my word to the wise is, is if you're going to be sexually active, you use protection. And, um, you know, always remember that if you're not using protection or some type of birth control, you you have the uh, ability to um, get pregnant and have a child born with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And that's exactly right. I mean, if we are treating women that you know, have, um, uh, you know, a, a long history of addiction, um, you know, a long history of relapse, um, or certainly any any women of childbearing age needs this message. But you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, we need to give women the message. If you're going to use alcohol and you're sexually active, well, for God's sakes, prevent the pregnancy. You know, and I I believe it it should be something that should be discussed in treatment. And many treatment professionals are not comfortable with um, addressing topics like that. But um, think um, it's it's an important message. You know, another piece to this that isn't um, discussed often is that we we also understand through uh, very new research is that prenatal alcohol exposure seems to be have a, um, a, a tremendous impact on uh, fetal and infant death, including SIDS. So not only are we preventing lifelong brain damage, but also ha- having women have to go through the trauma and uh, pain of, you know, losing an infant. Well, and, and I think, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, we don't really know how much alcohol it takes to create damage or how often someone needs to drink. So so even somebody who's not um, have a diagnosis of alcoholism or alcohol abuse, if you binge drink on, and you're pregnant, you could do damage. Yeah, and it's not only the binge drinking. You know, it's also... You know, there's been some research looking at uh, women who drink socially, what we would consider to be appropriate or moderate alcohol use. So women that are drinking maybe a glass of wine with dinner or, you know, um, in those kinds of patterns actually have children with higher percentages of uh, learning disabilities and also overall their IQs are a little lower than in, in the normal range. And again, uh, the work of uh, Do- Dr. Nancy Day from the University of Pittsburgh uh, her work is actually was actually featured in Time magazine, I think, in '06. But she has some unbelievable um, uh, findings from looking at moderate exposure. And you're right; you don't have to be an alcoholic. All you have to do is drink. And the reality is, most individuals with this diagnosis do have mothers who suffer with alcoholism. However, I know we have quite a few women in our Circle of Hope, um, which is a birth mother network, um, mentoring network, that are not alcoholic. 
they did have a couple of binge episodes, and of course the binging is the most dangerous type of drinking when we think about causing birth defects. But they, you know, we have women who just drank once, twice, maybe three times, and um, have children with effects. Does it make a difference in which trimester a woman drinks? Well, it, it does. It does, and again, that's a that's a uh, a great question, and I think it's such an important aspect to this. If you look at and think about um, the fetal development period, you know, from the moment that conception occurs, uh, we start. You know, we've got the pre-implantation phase, and once we kind of find our little. Uh, place to settle in there, we just start growing by leaps and bounds. And one of the first piece, you know, to, to our development to, that begins to develop is our central nervous system or our brain. And our face develops very early on. And, you know, the work of Kathy Sulik, uh, Dr. Sulik looked at, um, when the face is actually, um, uh, you know, the face of FAS is actually created from drinking. So she actually, in animal models, looked at uh, the issue of timing and dosing. And she found that if she dosed her animals, in her study it was mice, once, one binge episode in the early trimester, she could create the facial features of FAS. So her research actually taught us that it's the 19th through the 21st day after conception that a woman would have to drink to have a child with the facial features. So that's just one example. We are fully developed by the time we enter the second trimester. So any of the birth defects, whether it's a cleft lip or palate, um, limb anomalies, skeletal abnormalities, um, you know, any of the measurable, it might be eye or ear um, uh, anomalies, any part of the human body can um, be disrupted. And if, if drinking occurs during the, the actual day that that is forming, and, of course, our brain um, can, forms throughout the pregnancy and uh, certainly all the way into young adulthood, but also the growth. Um, a lot of the growth uh, occurs in that last trimester. So timing is definitely a factor in all of this. One of the questions I get um, sometimes is, well, what happens if the dad drinks? Is there any research that shows that the father's use of alcohol um, can affect the, the sperm? Well, there, you know, there actually is not. Now, some would, some may argue that, um, but according to the the scientists that I work with, I am not a scientist. I, you know, again, work uh, with the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. But there's no clear research that shows that um, men are playing a role in this. Now, remember, that, and that doesn't mean that, you know, we might come back 10 or 15 years from now and have a much clearer understanding. But... What we're talking about today, when we're talking about FASD, we're talking about really a toxin, um, a teratogen, that is ingested after conception occurs. So any of the damage that occurs to the developing fetus occurs after pregnancy. So um, 
again, so it's men, so it is not genetic. If, if it was the male's role causing this, it would be genetic, it would be um, occurring before pregnancy. What we do know is men have a huge indirect causal factor with this disorder. And, again, you know, women... Women that are with partners that are drinking are going to be much more likely to drink if the partner does not abstain. So we recommend two months prior to, um, you know, trying to get pregnant that both partners should abstain from alcohol. And hopefully your partner, when you're having a child, will um, is part of that pregnancy with you. And we'll be right back uh, after this commercial to talk more about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our show today is Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, and our guest is uh, Kathleen Mitchell, who is currently Vice President and National Spokesperson for um, the Fetal the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. And before we went to break, we were talking about um, how prevention is the key and the solution to fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And um, Kathy had mentioned about if people are planning to um, start a family, that they should wait two months before, uh, they shouldn't drink for two months before they they, uh, start their family. And And I'm thinking about, you know, most young people aren't thinking beyond that night, let alone waiting two months. And a lot of pregnancies are unplanned. I'm not sure how many, but why two months? Well, again, that's just, I mean, and I totally agree with you, Mary, that's almost pie in the sky. Certainly does not apply to when we're thinking of uh, being very stereotypical of uh, young people who are, you know, drinking and, and that sort of thing. That's just being overly cautious. So, and the real reason, uh, you know, is to recommend the two months is, Oftentimes we don't, it's hard to pin down the actual date when pregnancy occurs. And the, many of the measurable birth defects that occur to a fetus actually happen before a woman even knows she's pregnant. So she's not even going to miss a period. And she, you know, may, the alcohol could have already caused some pretty significant damage. So that's just being overly cautious. You're right. What they they say over 50% of all pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. And in one study, they talked about um, 85% of uh, pregnancies under the age for women under the age of 24 are not planned. Wow. Um, how did you get to be a national spokesperson for the fetal alcohol uh, spectrum disorders? <laughs> That's a great question. I used to think that uh, I actually, that I kind of, uh, you know, this happened by accident. But uh, today I certainly get that there was uh, really no accident. It was probably more some sort of synchronicity. Maybe there was... Uh, you know, maybe, you know, there are no mistakes in, in the universe, but I basically got into it because of what we went through with our family and the frustration. And, um, you know, I'm a woman um, recovering from alcoholism, and um, I, you know, have now coming up on 26 years of recovery. But, you know, when I was a, a kid, um, you know, I was drinking and drugging, grew up in an alcoholic home. I was exposed to a lot of alcohol and drugs very early on. And, uh, you know, just uh, probably in those early stages of addiction by the time I was uh, 12 or 13 years of age. And, you know, I found myself pregnant when I was uh, 15 years old in the 10th grade. And by then, I had been using all kinds of illegal drugs, and including heroin, LSD, speed, what have you. And, you know, I ended up marrying the father of the baby, and when I found out I was pregnant, I did the, the good and the right thing. I wanted to have a healthy baby, and I gave up all the drugs. Now, of course, the drugs I did not give up were uh, the nicotine. I continued to smoke, and I drank wine. But I really believed that wine was 
uh, you know, good for the baby's blood, you know. And, of course, this was back, my son was born in 1971, so we didn't even, you know, the uh, literature hadn't even come out until 1973. But anyway, I went on to have uh, several other pregnancies. I had... Um, a boy and then a girl did the same thing with that little girl and then had another little girl and um, left that marriage after I had my third child. And, of course, you know, my addiction had uh, progressed and, and just ju- jumped from the frying pan into the fire. Um, got married again, of course, to another addict and uh, had two children uh, in that marriage. And... You know, when I finally got treatment, you know, this is this is how it looked. Uh, I finally, you know, I think, you know, my father had gotten sober. And, you know, one thing led to another, and I found myself in treatment. But I got into treatment, and my story was basically that I had uh, just lost my daughter. Um, I had found her dead in her crib. And they said she died of SIDS and just stopped breathing for some unknown reason. Uh, two years before that, I had lost my son, and I uh, gave birth to a little boy who died the day he was born. And all those years, at that point, my middle daughter, Carly, was um, uh, 13, I think, at that point when I went to get sober, and, you know, when I gave birth to her, I was a, you know, a high-risk teen on welfare and uh, gave birth to, the, birth to this little girl, and they handed over a six-pound baby girl and said, you know, go have fun, you know, see you later, and I brought home this baby girl, and she got an ear infection, and one thing led to another, and she was sick all the time. Uh, She finally, I got um, tubes. They put the tubes in her ears when she was three. I would complain to her pediatrician that she wasn't speaking, she wasn't sitting up. You know, all of her milestones were delayed, and I was just told that she was going to grow out of it. It was all about the ear infections and allergies. As she grew older, she was diagnosed as having cerebral palsy. And so I got pregnant, um, I mean, I'm sorry, pregnant, pregnant on the mind um, here, but um, I got sober and, you know, I was dealing, you know, with, you know, three kids and one of them had very significant um, problems and we called it cerebral palsy. And after I got a couple years sober and got myself into college and got certified in addictions and eventually got my master's degree, I started to discover what was really wrong with my daughter, Carly, and she has full-blown fetal alcohol syndrome. And I took her when she was uh, almost 16 years of age, and I was a few years sober and had her diagnosed. And, you know, she would not have been diagnosed if I hadn't have figured it out. And unfortunately, that's really still the norm. Families figure it out before the healthcare professionals do. And here's the deal, you know, if Carly, when I found out what had happened to Carly, I was, you know, it was like a wave of guilt and remorse that just, you know, uh, just covered me, you know. I, and, you know, 
to hear that it was the wine. I remember saying to the doctor, you're telling me it's because I drank wine when I was pregnant? I said, you know, I was a heroin addict. I could have been shooting heroin. And that doctor said to me, he put his paper down and he said, I hate to tell you this, you would have been better off using heroin every day than drinking wine the way you did in periodic binges. So anyway, that's how I got involved. Of course, today I um, you know, completely get that both of my kids that uh, did not survive, uh, you know, both died as a result of being prenatal exposed to alcohol. And, um, and my daughter today still lives at home with us, and, of course, she's the love of our life. She's, she's an incredible person, but, you know, Carly has significant damage. She is um, intellectually disabled, and Carly can't cross the street by herself. She doesn't know how to tell time or count money, and she likes to play with her baby dolls. And that is Carly's life because of alcohol. Well, that's thank you so much for sharing your story. That's mm-hmm. a power of example for a lot of folks out there. Um, and talk about resiliency. Um, it's amazing, Kathy. Well, yeah, well, recovery is amazing, you know, and um, it's that whole uh, lesson of, you know, uh, one day at a time, you know. So, you know, thank God I got... You know, I was uh, blessed enough to find recovery and to be able to turn this whole tragic situation around and hopefully to make the world, you know, uh, to to reach some people with a message and, and hopefully make their lives a little bit better. What are the treatments for folks that have fetal alcohol spectrum disorders? Well, you know, the treatments, we are treating folks with this disorder in all our systems of care. Unfortunately, we just usually don't know that they have FASD. So what works for individuals with effects are um, things like um, they need highly structured environments, lots of predictable routine. They typically need uh, extra support. Uh, there's a woman named Teresa Kellerman who kind of uh, came up with the term an external brain, if you will. Um, they need maybe a lot of repetition. They may need things presented to them in different ways. So they may not do well with a lot of um, uh, narrative in a lecture or with having to read and write a lot of a lot of what um, they're working on so you just they just really need a modified environment that considers their um, their disability so it's really about individualized treatment there isn't one special treatment it really is about individualized treatment and we'll be right back after this commercial for our final segment with Kathy Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. (laughs) 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family sense of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pestor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. The World Health Organization estimates that 50 to 80 million people worldwide are facing infertility today. For most of them, this news is devastating. It's time for Gifted Journeys. This innovative program, hosted by Wendy Wilson, president of a highly successful California-based egg donation agency, will take you beyond the traditional family and introduce you to alternatives such as IVF, egg donation, surrogacy, and adoption. You'll hear from experts and those who have walked the path. Tune in to Gifted Journeys, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today our topic is fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, and our guest is Kathleen Mitchell. Um, Kathy, when we were uh, one, one of our biggest challenges is is that you know when we see someone who we think may have a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, there's we can't find an assessment tool, we can't find any kind of um, diagnostic um, tool to use. And I was wondering if you knew of anything that's available. Well, I do. You know, there's uh, there's several diagnostic tools for fetal adults? alcohol syndrome. The CDC. For Hello. For adults. Um, for children and adults, and there are places across the United States that do diagnose adults. Uh, so, you know, the best suggestion I can give you is go to nofast.org. 
but there are uh, screening tools that were developed through the University of Washington, the four-digit model. The CDC put out guidelines on diagnosing uh, FAS, and, um, you know, there's several others. And there are some behavioral kind of checklists that if you're, if you're not sure, um, you know, that if, if somebody's meeting a certain criteria that maybe you'd want to refer them on to a specialist. So, um, again, I think the best way is to go to our website. You can email me, mitchell at nofast.org, and I'd be more than happy to help anyone find the best, uh, uh, diagnostic clinic or professional and you know pie in the sky again i mean i really believe that all medical directors of treatment centers need to be educated on how to diagnose this disorder or if not where to refer clients so that they can be diagnosed and the other piece to this is when we're treating women and they have children with them or they're reporting to us that they used when they were pregnant, those children also ought to be being assessed. So there should be some sort of follow-up on the children uh, as well when we're, when we're um, you know, working with adult clients. Um, you had mentioned, uh, or I guess I read in your biography, about the uh, Curriculum for Addiction Professionals. Um, where is that and how do we access it? Well, we actually have, uh, we worked, NOFAS worked with the uh, SAMHSA's, FASD Center of Excellence to develop that, and that really came out of, um, it was uh, first based on what the Centers for Disease Control put together for medical students. And again, if you trace that back, it, it was traced back to the National Organization on FAS, NOFAS's medical school curriculum. But we offer that, we have that online, it actually has 22 CEUs through NADAC, and the first, I think, eight hours, I want to say, are online. It might be six hours. I'd have to double-check on that, but uh, the, the, um, it's a two-day training, so it's a uh, two-level curriculum. So level one is about knowledge, and, of course, level two is, is about skills. So it's how do you apply the knowledge you have now in order to treatment plan for your uh, patients in treatment. And do you ever do that in a live workshop? Yes, it's a live workshop. And we will come out, you know, and and provide the two-day training. What we need, though, is at least six people that, um, you know, that, you know, are willing to take the two-day Training. So we're always looking for groups that might sponsor getting their, uh, their staff trained on this. And because we don't have, we're a nonprofit charity and we just don't have funding to get, to get it out there in the way that we'd like to. But yes, we can provide the live training. The, uh, two day piece is a live training. The day, you know, the first part of it is online. Um, you had mentioned earlier about the Circle of Hope, and could you tell us more about that organization? Yeah, again, the Circle of Hope is a birth mother network that was founded through NOFAS years ago and now is, again, funded through 
the SAMHSA's FASD Center of Excellence, and we're actually meeting in May in Nashville. But we have a whole database of women who have used during pregnancy, and they may or may not have children diagnosed with effects. And we have women who have used both alcohol and other drugs because it's really the same issue. So the point of it is that we're, we're bringing women together and connecting them with a mentor who's been through something similar because it can be very difficult, number one, for women to talk about um, those kinds of issues in, like, 12-step programs. They can see it can be very isolating. It can be like when, you know, getting a diagnosis for your child. It can be like having a scarlet letter tattooed on your chest, you know, and... Um, so, you know, the point of it is to prevent the next birth, you know, from being exposed, but to also enhance outcomes, uh, recovery outcomes for women who have, you know, uh, those kinds of issues. So if people want to learn more about this, what's the best resource? Well, the best is our website, nofast.org. And, again, you can find, you know, links and all kinds of information and anything that you're not able to find, again, you can just uh, uh, link on and email uh, email me and you can find me on the website there. And if you click on the home page, there's a section there on the Circle of Hope Birth Mother Network that you can also go on and understand more, uh, get more information. Again, our goal is at NOFAS is to educate the general public, and certainly addiction treatment is a huge target group for us. So we are happy to provide free materials, training, whatever it takes. And by the way, it doesn't have to be the 22 uh, full curriculum. You can just opt for certain modules of the curriculum. So there's, um, you know, uh, six core competencies that people can select from. It's been our experience that the families that we've um, worked with that that may have someone who fits this diagnostic profile, these families have been advocates for these kids from from almost day one, and they're and they're very. Um, I don't think stressed is the right word, but it takes a toll on a family, you know, because they've had to advocate for education, they've had to advocate for um, behaviors, they've had to advocate for the right kind of treatment. And I'm just wondering, is there um, is there any reason why a family would not want their child to be labeled with FASD? Well, yeah. I mean, I do think, you know, one of the problems is the name because it's just like do, do you want your daughter to be given the diagnosis of drug addict or alcoholic? I mean, it falls right into that. Anything with alcohol in the title um, can can be feel very stigmatizing, and you know there's a lot of myths out there, and you still hear people say, "Oh, I hear kids with, uh, you know, FAS, uh, they they can't learn anything, and and they're they're full of rage, and you know they might murder their parents, you know, all this crazy stuff that you hear about." So, but the you know the the truth is is that once we understand what it is. Um, it's going to help not only the individual, but it's going to help the family and help the family to find the right people 
to um, provide treatment and services, and the family may need to go through a process of grief and um, to come around, you know, through that grief to acceptance. Kathy, this has been a really great hour, and I would really like to invite all the addiction professionals who may be listening or who listen to this in the future to really go on the website and, and learn more because I think this is an area that we all need to know more about and um, so we can better take care of folks. So thank you so much for your hour today. It's been wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you. It's um, uh, really uh, been such a great opportunity for NoFast to get the message out. And, again, I'm just going to, you know, send a big hug out to, to Joyce and her son, and, and thank you. Thank you, and have a good week, everybody. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.